The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is RJ Ochoa. What's going on, RJ? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Puppy Bowl. Super Bowl. What a week, Stats. What a week. I'm feeling alive. I hope you are. You would be a Puppy Bowl guy. That's the least surprising oh, development dude, of the week. I hate the Puppy Bowl. I like. I, I really, really, really hate the Puppy Bowl. Uh, the Look Ahead is kind of the unofficial Kirk Cousins show uh, of the SB Nation <laughs> NFL show, although my joke about Kirk Cousins did not go well with Minnesota Vikings fans last week. I know I showed it to you, Stats. Um, in Houston at Super Bowl 51, I actually walked to the Puppy Bowl set, uh, like the Discovery Channel set, and interviewed Kirk Cousins there. So uh, Puppy Bowl holds a special place in my heart in that particular respect. I asked Kirk what his favorite quality in a dog was. You've told this to me three times. It was loyalty, and I actually guessed it the first time you told me. Get some new stories, RJ. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. All right, now do the read. Let's go. Come on. Hurry up. We have a ton of good stuff coming up for you on the show. Hall of Famer Mike Golick, Radio Hall of Famer, I should stress. Mike Golick from Westwood One. He's going to be on the sidelines for the Super Bowl. He's going to join us on the show. Chargers running back Austin Eckler sat down with our own Kate Majuk. He's going to join us on the show, so you're going to hear that. Before we get to all of that, though, we remind you the DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBN. NFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. We are days away from the Super Bowl, RJ. So we have decided that we are going to look ahead into the crystal ball and pick one player or coach, one person whose legacy will be most improved with a Super Bowl victory this Sunday. Mm, Okay. I like uh, grandstanding opinions that are basically fact. I like this. Okay. Are we ready? Are we are we starting? Is that the official start signal or no? Well, and the other thing we're going to do before we uh, go is we're going to make one prediction for the weekend because there's a lot going on. There's obviously the Super Bowl is happening. There's the award show that's going on tonight. And the Hall of Fame class is going to be voted on. So we are going to make one prediction that you can hold on to that will – it's a stone-cold lock. It's going to come true just like, you know, every – opinion that we throw out on this show 
I'm making two predictions. I don't know about you. Also, stats, we have to pick the game. Do not forget that you and I have been making picks here on the look ahead since week 13 in accordance with the lines from our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. I have a one-game lead on you. Whoever loses has to make a donation to charity. So if you and I disagree on the Super Bowl and we tie, then we'll both be making a donation to charity. All right. We will do that before we go. So let's get into it. Rams, Bengals, teams are in two totally different places but in terms of legacies, I think that the answer to this one is pretty obvious to me. There is no one in my mind that benefits more from a Super Bowl championship than Sean McVay. I think it's the clear choice. I'm stealing it from you to prevent you from taking it yourself. If he loses this Super Bowl, first of all, I think personally it's going to destroy him because he's talked about how difficult it was for him to get over the first Super Bowl loss. But, you know, there's a lot of hype around McVay, right? Every, they hired anybody that's ever met Sean McVay is coaching somewhere in the NFL, usually in the head coaching position. There's a ton of hype with him. He's the boy wonder, all this stuff. And I think if he loses another one, instead of getting credit for going to two Super Bowls before he turns 40 years old, people are going to say, like, he can't win the big game. He freaks out in the big game. He's going to be kind of on that Dan Reeves type of track mm. in terms of if he wins a Super Bowl, I think people will start to think of him more as like Andy Reid, that kind of a thing. You know, I think that's the answer, honestly. And I, I think it's, we'd love to talk about narrative and we're going to talk about the awards in the ceremony happy tonight. A lot of that is narrative driven, right? And some of it's fair, some of it's unfair, some of it's just like the way the world works, the way the NFL world works. And yeah, Sean McVay is kind of the 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 chosen prince of of the NFL, right? Or certainly of, of NFL media, the NFL conglomerate. And so I, I I believe, I think you would agree that the NFL would love nothing more than for their chosen son to win the Super Bowl in the palace that they built for him in Los Angeles. Good point. You know, with the game being there and, and football's back in LA and all this stuff. I people forget that the Los Angeles Raiders won a Super Bowl. You know, like like it would be treated, you know, like BLG has, has been on this kick where Doug Peterson is the only Super Bowl winning head coach to not get a proper amount of respect, despite the fact that you guys, you know, kick dirt on Mike McCarthy every single week. But, um, <laughs> you know, like th there are things that we do like forget conveniently and act like someone is the first to do when that's not the case. And there would be this treatment of like, wow, the Rams are the first L.A. team to do it. And that would not be true in a literal sense. And so, yeah, I think that Sean McVay like this, this is the NFL is setting this up. This is like a th this is the season finale of Grey's Anatomy, like the plane's going to crash and like Meredith Grey is here to save the day. And that's who Sean McVay is. He's supposed to revive football in Los Angeles. He's supposed to be the new Bill Belichick, the new ushering in, the justification of the trade for Matthew Stafford, on and on and on, the you know new uniforms, SoFi Stadium, NFL Network headquarters. I totally agree. I think Sean McVay, I think his pendulum swings the most, and I think that's a different answer than what you said. I agree with you that his legacy benefits the most, but I also think that his legacy is impacted in a negative sense the most if they lose, because then it is, man, do you just, you can't get it done. Like you're just too young. You're, you know, and I think that that hurts the movement of the, you know, young wonderkin archetype of coach, despite the fact that Zach Taylor would obviously win the Super Bowl if Sean McVay doesn't. And, and you right. know what I mean? Like, it, like, and I really believe that. I think if, if Sean McVay wins, it'll be justification for the archetype but if he loses, it will be a hindrance on the archetype, despite the fact that Zach Taylor is only two years older. Yeah, the opinion of the first Super Bowl will change depending on the outcome of the game. If he wins the game, it's like, Sean McVay won a Super Bowl. 
and he got to another one before 40. But if he loses, then they both like become a discredit to him. Oh, he can't win the big game. Who cares that he made two Super Bowls? He didn't win any of them. It's such a weird thing that we do, but that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't think that's fair. I do agree with you that like a young head coach is going to win the Super Bowl, but that's not going to be what people are talking about. The archetype is going to be, oh, the, the Wonderkin loses again. It's it's such a I don't know why why we do it like that. If you had to pick a number two, who would you pick for legacy being impacted? I hate this because I think we're both pulling for the rain or the Bengals, excuse me, and we'll see who we wind up picking. But I think it's Matthew Stafford. And and I say that because the argument is already out there if if the Rams win, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. No, <laughs> like, he's that's, not a Hall of Famer. That's so stupid. I saw Jeremy Reisman uh, from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit actually tweeted this out two days ago. He, he tweeted, and look, Jeremy's been pulling for Matthew Stafford, super, you know, uh, like all aboard the Matthew Stafford train from the moment the Lions traded him, wants to see him have success. But he tweeted, I'll be honest, I'm shocked that there's already Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame talk after one season in L.A. Number one, y'all ignored and disrespected him for 12 years. So there's the, the rooter of Matthew Stafford. Two, in all caps, no, he's not a Hall of Famer with one Super Bowl, zero all pros, one Pro Bowl, zero MVPs. But, but again... I, I don't believe that Matthew Stafford would be a Hall of Famer, but I do believe that argument would take off into the stratosphere because of how it would happen. Just like Sean McVay, that one Super Bowl win would be qualified in ways that anybody else's one Super Bowl win wouldn't be, if that makes sense. It's so stupid that we do this. We did the same thing with Julian Edelman. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Fame? No, no. He's just a good player who's very good in the playoffs. So, hang on. That's so to, it. to that point, though, and I've made this argument to you before. I think that I love the question. I don't know that it's the right way to measure things, but I do love the, the, the way people put Hall of Fame candidacy by saying, could you tell the story of the NFL without that? I hate that. Okay, but I like that question. I'm not saying that, that, that the answer, if the answer is yes, that automatically makes them a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that. But I like the question, just as a general discussion point. And I do believe that you could not tell the story of the NFL without Julian Edelman. I'm not oh, saying God. that yes, that... I'm not saying that that makes him a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying he's a main character in the history of the NFL, but he's an important Robin in one of the most important dynasties of NFL history. Like that that's all I'm saying. He has one of the most important catches in NFL history. So I is mean, David so, Tyree. You could tell the story yeah, of the NFL you could, without you him. Could, you could not tell the story of the NFL. Again, we're talking like the, you know, like uh like Johnny Drama in the fake movie in the Entourage movie yeah. where <laughs> where he like he steals the the show with one line. That's David Tyree. Julian Edelman's that to a little bit of a larger Degree. So my point is, if we measure things in that context, I certainly don't think you could tell the story of the NFL without Julian Edelman. Even if the Rams win the Super Bowl, I still think you could tell the story of the NFL without Matthew Stafford. Yeah, we do this thing where if you win a Super Bowl, we you have to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, I don't know why we can't separate those two things. Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowl wins. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning has two. I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame either. Oh, like but this. he's going to be. But I agree. I with know you. he is yeah. going to be. But there's a like, you don't have to do that, right? We don't have to just put like, it's like we're incapable of figuring that out. Uh, I agree. Stafford gets a huge bump in his legacy if he wins. The other one I think is Aaron Donald. We do this thing with great players if you don't win a Super Bowl, especially non quarterbacks. Like, we just put you in this box where it's like we are not allowed to talk about you as an all-time great player because you didn't win a Super Bowl. If you're not – like Aaron Donald did everything he could possibly do the first time around to help the Rams win a Super Bowl. The Patriots scored 13 points in the game. That's – he did his job. 
but he didn't win the Super Bowl. And if he doesn't win another one now, we're going to say like, yeah, sure. Aaron Donald has three defensive player of the year awards. Sure. He's really good. Made a zillion all pros, but that's just going to be like where the conversation ends. You have to have to have to win a ring to be considered the all-time greatest at your position. And so like, I think he has that argument right now. You could easily make the argument. He's the greatest defensive tackle we've ever seen, but if he doesn't win, no one will say that. I would change the verbiage of what you said slightly. And I would say that for great players who don't win Super Bowls, we we sort of like feel the need to feel sorry for them. That's how I would put it. You know what I mean? Because we're like, ah, oh, but you didn't win. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's okay. You know, you'll, you'll get the ring that they give you at the Hall of Fame. You know, like you could wear that around <laughs> town. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so but in that sense, though, you, you're, you're right. You can already make the argument that Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive tackle of all time. But there is this argument, or again, at least discussion point, is he the greatest defensive player of his era? Is he is he a greater defensive player than J.J. Watt? And they both have all these collection of trophies and awards and accolades and all pros and pro bowls and things like that. But if Aaron Donald gets that one thing to separate him, then all yep. of a sudden you have the trump card. And so I'm totally with you. Very different type of legacy boost than Matthew Stafford or Sean McVay, but that's a great answer. I have one more if you'll allow me. Sure, go ahead. Are you sure? You cool about this? Out with it. Okay, so we haven't said any member of the Cincinnati Bengals, and which kind of speaks to the the underdog mentality that Joe Burrow really hates. Um, so I mean, there's not really anybody whose legacy could be boosted here. Uh, however, I do think that with a Super Bowl win, and some of this would depend on how the game goes, and and if he had a a somewhat strong performance, Jamar Chase. Because I think right now you look at it, and, and the legacy I'm talking about specifically is just his rookie season. If he wins the Super Bowl, then it becomes the greatest rookie wide receiver season of all time. It's greater than Randy mm. Moss's. You, you know what I'm saying? Because there was this discussion point of like, should the Bengals take Jamar Chase? Should they take Panay Sewell? There was the the image that, you know, the funny drawing that went around forever and ever and ever. And Jamar, the fact that he was Joe Burrow's guy, the LSU connection, all the stuff, the fact that he was like the Nas boost that this offense needed like justifies the pick the fact that he set the the records that he did I know there was the 17th game but to pull it off to get the Super Bowl win for the Cincinnati Bengals I think people would look at that and say that is the greatest season that a rookie wide receiver has ever had in the history of the NFL even better than Randy Moss I I think I agree with that and I it's not like well he was just along for the ride it's not like he had you know 500 yards and four touchdowns and they happened to win the Super Bowl no no like he is a primary driving force in that victory. That is a really good point by you. I want to disagree with it, but I can't in terms of it would be the greatest rookie wide receiver season of all time. But I think there's another receiver in this game whose legacy benefits more than Jamar Chase with a Super Bowl title. And it's Odell Beckham Jr. Because over Cooper Cup, really? Yes, by far. Nobody has. We treated Odell Beckham Jr. like he forgot how to be a good football player. Like he wasn't a good football player anymore. And everybody, what do they, they love, especially people in New York. They love to whip out the takes. You can't win with a player like Odell Beckham Jr. He'll never sniff a Super Bowl title. He's all about him. All this crap that people talked about Odell Beckham Jr. And now they act like, well, he was really good for the Giants, but he's not really good anymore. No, he's freaking incredible. He's still amazing. And if he, I will, if I'm not rooting for the Rams, but if the Rams win, I will be happy for Odell because I don't think Odell was nearly as bad as people said. He just can't deal with adversity very well. When the team is losing, he gets frustrated. He's very emotional. Then he becomes an issue. Look what happened with the Rams. He goes to LA. They start winning. 
anybody said anything bad about Odell Beckham Jr.? Has he done anything, quote unquote, controversial? No, he's been totally fine. So I just, I, for the all the stupid Odell takes that people had, if he wins a Super Bowl, what are you going to be able to say about him? Like, what what's your take now? No, I agree with that. I think the the shine people would try to take away is like, well, he didn't even play the whole season for that. You know, like that's what people would say. But you're you're right. I don't. I would verbalize that in saying like he would he would get the biggest like makeover from winning a Super Bowl. Like I don't think you know. Obviously, that adds to his legacy. But I think that just really alters his image. And I think that would springboard him. He might be you know the highest paid receiver in free agency this year right especially if they win the super bowl especially if he has a big game i mean you know all those things factor in so i agree i mean to me he it would be like an experience on do you remember the the mtv show made where they would take somebody and they're like what do you want to be you're like i want to be like you know uh on the dance team in in my local high school or whatever and they would like teach you dance stuff and then you would have to go try out for it like do you remember that show no anyway Stats watched a ton of MTV reality television growing up, just so everybody knows. Yeah, sure uh, I did. But, but I would, you know, I have two more, um, and and one of them is rather quick. We, we didn't mention Cooper Cup. In a similar vein to Jamar Chase, because Odell's a different category of legacy boost, but I think some people would say that Cooper Cup's 2021 season, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, and potentially if he were to win MVP, is the greatest season that any wide receiver has ever had. He wins the Triple Crown. He's kind of the reason for their success. You know, he's the guy who gets, you know, overloaded with targets, et cetera. If he wants, like, that one I think requires MVP to me. But but that take would be out there. I don't think I would agree with it. But if, if it births the take, then it is something that is on the line, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I see what you're saying, but I don't think that people already think the Cooper Cup is great. Nobody's ever said a bad word about Cooper Cup. They'll be happy for him if he wins the ring, but I don't think there will be any definitive Cooper Cup takes if they win the Super Bowl. Maybe if he wins the MVP, you might get some, but like, like who, when they, I mean, like Jerry Rice wants a Bowl MVP, and you know, like there, it's happened, but like generally speaking, if a wide receiver wins MVP, it's because they had like a freak game in the Super Bowl. Right. It, they didn't really have like a great like, season. How many have there been? I think there's only been like three or four, right? Maybe three. Antonio Holmes. Jerry Rice, Dion Branch. That might be um, the only three. I think. Lin, did Lynn Lin, Swan win? Lynn Lin Swan or Dante? Uh, no, not Dante Stallworth. <laughs> John Stallworth. Uh, uh, Lynn Swan might have one. Um, I, doesn't Jerry Rice have two? You would know better than no, me. No, Jerry has uh, one. Montana had three. But um, but yeah, like my point is like of of I wouldn't even say modern, but like this century NFL history, which is a large amount of history at this point in time. The great wide receiver moments in Super Bowls are generally these like castoffs, right? It's your David Tyrese, your Jermaine Curses, your Mario Manninghams, your Julian Edelmans that you want to hate all over. Like if 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 your superstar wide receiver were to have the game of all games in the Super Bowl, I think that would be an interesting conversation. It's really my point. So there have been seven wide receivers to win Super Bowl MVP. Do you want to take a shot at any of them? Um, Fred Blutnikoff? Correct. Super okay. Bowl eleven. Um Come Paul on. Warfield? Paul Warfield? No. Um, hang on, I can let me let me think here. Um, most of them are in the modern era. Most of them are in the modern so era. We said Lynn Swan, so we'll get, we'll we'll count that. You got Bolitnikov, we'll count that. We said Rice, you count that. So there's four more. And they all come two thousand five and after. Two thousand five and after. Let me think. Um you said San Antonio Holmes, right? Yeah. So there's three more then. There's three more that we're missing. And you said Dion Branch. Yeah, we did say Dion Branch. So two this, more. These are this easy. Is fun. This is a, they're easy. Oh, Julian Edelman. Yeah. Obviously. And one more. 
one more that we're missing. Um, hang on. I'm looking through the helmets. More people. That definitely helps when I do trivia, by the way. But there's more receivers that have won the award than I realized. Um, seven is a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm overlooking something. Um, yeah, this is easy. When I say it, you're going to be like, oh, my God. Um, if I tell you the Super Bowl, you'll get it. But we've been on this for too long. so. Okay, tell me the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 40. Heinz Ward, obviously. Yes. Oh, Heinz wow. Ward. Yeah, that. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, nope. Wow, no MVPs for Big Ben. Tough scene. Man, I forgot Malcolm Smith won a Super Bowl MVP. That is the most Dude, random that was one a, of all time. That was such a, you know, um, for, by the way, anyone who's listening to all of our shows on the Espination NFL show this week, uh, I spoke to Aaron Andrews about that game and how uncomfortable it was for her to speak to the losing Denver Broncos. But, um, okay, one more on the subject of legacy boost. And this, is kind, this is kind of weird. Um, given that he's so early in his career, we have to talk about Joe Burrow. We didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I do think, remember at the beginning of this season when you and I, and basically everyone here that isn't Pete Sweeney, correctly asserted, you know, Patrick Mahomes is amazing, but all these cute little Mahomes records are going to fall at a certain point. Like, remember the, like, he's never thrown an interception in September. Like, you know, all these crazy, ridiculous things. If Joe Burrow wins a Super Bowl, then it's he's the first number one overall pick to win a Super Bowl within his first two years. Like, he he takes a, a different step than any number one overall pick ever has. He sets a new standard for number one overall picks, and it's already an impossibly high standard to live up to, but he would actually live up to it. I mean, that's insane to really think about, that he would not only win a Super Bowl, but do it this early in his career and do it, and you have brought this point up and many people have, if he were to do it for the Bengals when Matthew Stafford can't for the Rams after Matthew Stafford couldn't for the Lions, that would breathe so much hope into the Jaguars's and the Texans's and the Titans's and the Lions's of the, the world. Niners. And I guess I'm just talking about the the lower, you know, you know, lower not income, but lower anybody qu- that drafts a quarterback high. I mean, I, that's true, but I mean the like the teams that are, are more obscure, the non-darling teams of the NFL. This would right. breathe hope into them. You you can be that team too. You just got to find that one dude because we we all have that sense of perpetual hope. This would justify it. Yeah, I, I agree that he gets elevated into a different life, so to speak, a different stratosphere. Because if you are a Super Bowl, uh, if you are a quarterback, excuse me, and you win multiple Super Bowls. That puts you on a whole other level. And for Burrow to, to get one in year two, then he would have the whole rest of his career to potentially get to that other level. Like, I agree. He would be – he gets knocked into a different life. Well, and, like, you know the graphics that pop up that's, like, just the measurement of certain things and they're, they're void of context. But it would be Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, both won a Super Bowl in year two. Joe Burrows, he took out Patrick Mahomes, not just in the regular season, but in the AFC championship game after coming back from this huge, like the narrative would get so boosted and it would be this like, is Joe Burrow the new Patrick Mahomes? Has Patrick Mahomes lost steam to Joe Burrow? Like all those takes would fly all off season long. Bring it. I want that. Burrow, like will Burrow get pumped up if he wins the Super Bowl or will he just be like, cool, where's my cigar? Um, I think he'll show a little emotion. I was actually thinking about this and, and we'll get ready to move on. I cannot, like if I imagine, I can't see the Super Bowl parade with like all the like beer and champagne. I can't see it in LA. Like I can't see the Rams experiencing the Super Bowl parade. I can see it like in Cincinnati. You know, like if if you close your eyes, you can see the parade and you can see Joe Burrow, you know, doing something like Joe Burrow-y. You know, like you you can see it. Like I'm trying to will it into existence here, but you can can see it and see like all the loyal Bengals fans and the who day chants. Like you can really, really see it happening. That would be 
in terms of like crazy parade, like I'll never forget the Eagles championship parade. We don't talk like, about that. The city was like, it was an event. Like that was a huge deal in Cincinnati. They've already canceled school on Mondays in some of the places. Like it would be a fantastic event for that city if it happened. So I'm, I'm rooting for that to happen. All right, RJ, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Austin Eckler who sat down with Kate Majuk and Mike Golick of Westwood one who sat down with me to help us preview Super Bowl 56. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Kate Maju. I am pleased to be joined by the Los Angeles Chargers running back, Austin Eckler. We're so excited to have you here. You're here on behalf of Sleep Number. We've seen all the commercials, but I want to know, Austin, how has the quality of sleep that you've managed with Sleep Number helped you to become one of the best running backs in the league? Yeah, it comes down to, you know, a good routine. Just you know, that's not just for athletes, that's for, you know, everybody. And then sleep is a part of that routine and how you can work it in. And uh, I love sleep number for, for two reasons. Uh, because one, they have really great technology in their beds that like adjust to you automatically. You can change the firmness, like you can make your bed basically custom to what you want it to be. Uh, and then there's some data that's also collected that's actually really cool. Uh, and, you know, throughout my, my season, I have my data being recorded as far as my heart rate, uh, my consistency of sleep. Uh, the duration, and, and now I meet with the expert after the season, and we go over those. Uh, I'm able to see that I'm a pretty consistent sleeper, which you know makes sense because I have a pretty uh, strict regimen um, as far as what I'm doing during the day, and you know, bringing being able to bring all that together and actually show that yeah, hey, I can tell where I got injured because I was getting less sleep there, which made sense because I was going in a little bit earlier, so I needed to pick up uh, you know some type of you know okay, routine where okay, I need to go to bed a little bit earlier. Uh, and then it also just showed like it was actually really cool because the, the two best uh, nights of sleep that I got correlated with two of my better games, too. Um, so just the data and, you know, just being able to have a whole basically um, uh, just vision of my sleep and how it's affecting my day uh, has been really special. And that's why I've been with sleep number for as long as I've been in the league, really uh, looking forward to continuing that relationship. Uh, we have to know what is your sleep number? Are you a soft mattress guy? Are you a firm mattress guy? What does Austin Eckler do? What's the key to success like here right besides the all the pushups? Like, yeah, I'm right at like 45. 45 is my number. Um, I don't know. I can't, if it's too hard, nah, I, I feel uncomfortable. I, I like it yeah, just under halfway. 
So you said the routine is so important. The ability to get a quality night's sleep is key to finding all of this success in the field. You surpassed 5,500 scrimmage yards this season for your career total. First five seasons, which is absolutely incredible. You became the third undrafted player to ever have 5,000 yards from scrimmage in your first five seasons in the common draft era. You join names like Arian Foster and Willie Parker. How does that feel? Do you still have this underdog mentality? And and how do you carry yourself mentally uh, knowing that you have all these accomplishments under your belt? Yeah, you know, it, it literally comes back to the routine that we were talking about. Um, it's basically the same mindset, but just applied over um, different seasons, right? I've had the same mindset since I came into the league where I had to prove everything to everyone to show that I can actually play and I deserve to be in this role. Um, and that stayed with me. That stayed with me. And now it's you know progressed into the outside world, outside of football as well. But really what it comes back to. And then at the end of the season, you know, you kind of look back and reminisce and you know, kind of see where you compare, you know, you don't really get caught up in the numbers too much. Um, you know, one of my coaches say, you know, you can, you can smell the cologne, but don't taste it. You know, it means like, all right, sure. You could, you know, you know, give some attention to, you know, people praising and like all the numbers and stuff like that, but don't dive too much into it. Cause then you lose focus of the main thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's been great. I think it's amazing. You know, the, the journey that's been, but like my mindset is still the same. So I'm continuing to push forward, uh, continue to try to grow on that. I mean, uh, just coming from an undrafted position to where you are now, I I have to say you're an inspiration to so many people and so many young kids. I want to talk a little bit about the Austin Eckler foundation, because you've been so busy on the field. We know all of your accolades there, but you've been making a pretty significant impact in your community. Tell us a little bit about what you've accomplished there and what your goals are for the Austin Eckler Foundation moving forward? Yeah, so the main mission uh, comes back to just having an opportunity to start, you know, moving forward with your life. And that's that's really what it comes down to. I feel like everyone deserves some type of opportunity to um, put their best foot forward and start moving in a direction that they want to move. And there's a lot of communities where people aren't necessarily getting that opportunity. And so that's where the Austin Eckler Foundation is trying to step in and provide resources to get people in the right direction. Um, you know, we did a few projects last year and we donated some washers and dryers to some schools in Watts, um, some elementary schools where they had a high uh, homeless population. And so, like, washing clothes wasn't something they had, they had accessible to them. Um, and so it's like, okay, let's let's get in there and, you know, provide that. And then we you know, donated some bags to the, you know, women's shelter on Skid Row and done some other things. And we continue to push forward and do some more projects. But the main goal comes back to providing like resources, things that people can use to help themselves better themselves. And, you know, regardless of where you come from, you know, that you'd always deserve that, in my opinion. One of the things that I found startling when uh, looking into some of your accomplishments with your foundation was that a lack of access to clean clothing is one of the top reasons why students skip school in Watts. And I'm sure not just in Watts, uh, like many neighborhoods um, and, and all across the United States. I have to imagine that that's a pretty widespread problem, but you guys are sort of attacking these things directly on the grounds. Kudos to you guys. Uh, You know, another thing that you accomplished, you uh, put in a state-of-the-art gym for uh, the kids at Santa Barbara High School, one of the oldest schools in the states of California, but you are providing them an opportunity to work on their physical health, to train uh, and, and improve themselves. 
tell me how your experiences growing up and, and growing as a football player helped you to identify some of these needs uh, that your foundation's addressing. Yeah, I, you know, I think it really came down to me wanting to reach out to, to the community. And once I started doing that, I started getting a lot of the questions of like, you know, hey, Austin, how was your you know upbringing? How was your childhood? How was your mindset, your work ethic? And I started thinking about like those things. And I was like, okay, why am I the way I am today? And one of the big reasons was because I had, I didn't have the best resources, but I had things available to me that allowed me to progress as a, as a person, as a young person, and grow into this, this mindset that I have today. Um, definitely, you know, I had, you know, a more, I would say labor focused upbringing, um, as far as the work and stuff that we did, um, working out on the ranch. So that obviously was independent to me, but the thing is like the concepts that I learned can be taught in other ways. Um, and like I said, like the opportunities that I had, it wasn't that they were lacking, they weren't the best, but they were there. Um, and so I was like, let me help other people at least have that, that, that don't, right. You know, life isn't fair. So I'm trying to like even the playing field a little bit for people. Awesome. Despite your long list of accomplishments on and off the field, obviously you've got a lot of time for work, but you do find some time for play. I want to talk a little bit about your partnership with Yahoo Sports this season, which was one of my favorite things. Uh, you partnered up to give some fantasy football advice with one of my favorite analysts this year, Liz Loza, using your experience on the NFL football field to help identify players that uh, might help us win some some weeks in fantasy and potentially win our leagues with Eckler's yeah. edge. So tell me about what that experience was like for you. Yeah, Liz, uh, Liz is great. She's actually helped me as a broadcaster have some tips on, you know, just bringing myself and getting ready. Um, but yeah, shout out to Liz for sure. She's one of my favorites as well. Uh, so it's great to be able to do a show with her and provide some value to the fantasy football community, which uh, in general, a lot of just active athletes aren't really big into um, because there's a lot of toxicity in the community. Uh, it's not all toxic, but that you know, toxicity speaks louder than the positivity, um, unfortunately. So that's what gets you know the headlines, and so it gets a bad rap. But it's not necessarily like that. Like there's a lot of people that are rooting for us as players, even though they're not maybe a, you know a fan of our team. Um, I thought that was really special, and so I wanted to give some give some love and give some effort to to those people, just like I did the Chargers fan. Uh, and then that's where the show, you know, was born. And then it was like, all right, let's, you know, it wasn't about fantasy football really for me. Like that's what we were talking about, but it was really about giving value to those people that, uh, you know, had me on our team or respected me or wanted to hear some of my advice about, you know, fantasy. Yeah. You've got a really unique perspective. Uh, you also got to bring on some really special guests. You had Travis Kelsey, Devonte Adams, Rob Gronkowski, like some of our favorites in the league. But you also brought on some of my favorite stars from uh, The Office, which is my favorite show. So those were the interviews I was excited to see. Who's your dream guest that you would love to interview as somebody who is interested in media? And what is your pitch to have them join you on the show next season? Because uh, I, I have to imagine everybody's going to be listening here. The dream guest, man. Um, I mean, they would have to play fantasy football, but uh just my dream guest in general would probably yeah, be the rock, uh, Dwayne. Um, that'd be, that'd be epic. <laughs> I, I don't know if he plays fantasy, but as a, as a competitive guy, um, maybe we can, uh -huh. can help you set something up. One more question for you. What have you learned this year as a fantasy analyst and who's the second year or third year, like under low key player that we need to be keeping our eye on in the coming season for a breakout? 
Oh, putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> sleepers. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't have any off the top of my head. Uh, That's okay. Or someone to look out for. But a tip, a tip that I'm going to be using next year, um, if I can, because I play in some bigger uh, fantasy leagues, like 16 to 20 people, is grabbing my start. Like if I can grab some backups to my actual starters that I have on my team. Because, um, you know, our injuries work with next man up mentality, right? Okay, someone else get an opportunity. Um, and if I can find some teams with some solid backup, like even like for me this year, like Justin Jackson was my backup. And the game that I didn't play, he went out and scored 33 fantasy points. Um, so just having that, that duo. So you can always, basically if the starter goes down, you have the backup already. You don't have to be searching for people. So that's a tip that I'm going to be uh, implementing next year. I love that. Uh, Austin, thank you so much for joining us. Shout out once again to Sleep Number uh, because the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed uh, is helping support the health and wellness of all of our favorite NFL players by getting them a fantastic night's sleep. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the Austin Eckler Foundation, go ahead. Uh, you can donate directly online or order yourself some really awesome swag over on austineckler.com where 100% of the proceeds go towards the Austin Eckler Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us on behalf of Sleep Number today, Austin. Yes, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Joining us now, a man that needs no introduction, Hall of Famer in the radio industry, someone that I happen to be lucky enough to work with for many years at ESPN, Mike Golick. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Maybe some people I needed an introduction for. You and I worked together. I think you were, what, 10 at the time? Um, <laughs> that's, we were, that's funny. Because you look like you're 12 now. So, and I, and I mean that as a compliment, Stats. I really do. Yeah, you know, it used to be an insult, and now the older yeah. I get it, it's morphed into a compliment. So it thanks is. for that. You're probably still getting carded when you go into bars if you can get into them yet, so that's cool. It is, and then person looks at the ID for two seconds and sees that I was born with a 19, and they yeah. just hand it right back. Yeah, back. exactly. I said, okay, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a sad day. Uh, I know you're here on behalf of One Touch Solutions. We're going to get to that, but you are going to be doing something very cool. You will be on the sidelines for the Super Bowl for Westwood One, and that's a big deal for you because, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't go to the Super Bowl normally. Oh, you know. I mean, all the years uh, doing the morning show at ESPN, we would always go to the Super Bowl and do our show there all week or from Wednesday on, and I would usually leave by Saturday uh, or at the latest Sunday morning. And I, I was always jealous of these guys. I'm like, I don't want to stay for the Super Bowl. I would watch it from my couch uh, and, and be jealous. And But now with Westwood One, I was calling games for them this year. And and I'm working the sidelines. You know, Kevin Harlan and, and Kurt Warner in the booth, Laura Oakman and me on the sidelines. So now, yeah, I'm actually going to the Super Bowl and I'm actually working it. So pretty wild. And, and in all honesty, I'm very excited about that. But I'm very excited. I'll be standing on the sideline when that halftime entertainment comes out, which is, I think, going to be pretty impressive. Yeah, I remember being at the Super Bowl in 2012 in New Orleans, and we were just on Radio Row, and Beyonce was the halftime act that she walked in, and Radio Row stopped. Yeah, and I you bet. know, Mike, normally, like, people are not phased. It's like, oh, there's Joe Montana, right. whatever. But Beyonce walked in, and the world stopped. And talk about a star-studded halftime show. I mean, it's you've got Snoop and Dre and Eminem. It, everybody that's everybody's going to be there. And you're going to be right there with those people. What's so cool is, is a number of those people have been on our show over the years. So Snoop was, a, Snoop was in studio uh, with us a couple of times. I mean, it's a, so it's a very, very cool thing. So I, I'm, And you're right. 
it's like the sports world. We're like, yeah, okay. There's a guy who'll play. There's a guy who'll play, but man, the entertainment world, music or acting. I mean, yeah, we're like, wow. Oh, how cool is that? You know? And, and we all start, you know, ogling over them. So what are you going to be able to see on the sidelines that necessarily you're not going to be able to tell people about if you were in the booth? Well, the, the thing I like to do whenever I'm in the booth, and that's mostly what I've done, I did one sideline game, that was the Rams and the Buccaneers a few weeks ago, to kind of get ready for, for the Super Bowl, is I always have binoculars, and I love looking on the sidelines at groups in the, you know, when they're not on the field, just to see if I can read body language or something, because obviously can't hear them. Uh, from the booth. Now I can. Now with the access I have, you know, I could go behind the old line if they're struggling, D-line, linebackers, whatever. I can listen to their conversations, what their coach is talking to and understand what they're saying. And I can relay that up to, up to you know, Kurt Warner in the booth and say, hey, guys, this is what's happening here. You know, something good or something bad, whatever it may be. So that's it's getting back down right, you know, right where the game is going on. And also there's going to be the the ability, how good am I on getting on national TV for the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, that's obviously I have to try and find the, uh, the right spot. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll find your way on a couple of times for sure. Uh, you talked about the old line. So I want to get into that because a lot of people expect Cincinnati's offensive line to struggle in this one. How I remember you telling a story about facing Anthony Munoz back in the day, Hall of yep. Fame offensive lineman. Yep. So Cincinnati's offensive line knows that they could be in for a long day. Take me into the mindset of someone that is in a matchup that necessarily doesn't favor them. How do they kind of get up for that, knowing that they're kind of facing an uphill battle? Well, you know, this earlier this week, I talked to, to Jonah Williams, the left tackle for the Bengals. And, and listen, it, it's it's not like it's a secret. We had a very open discussion about their struggles. I mean, they're rotating right guards uh, in this game. That's going to continue. They lost, you know, their right tackle early in the season. So, you know, he said, listen, all we can do is go to the next play. And he's right. I mean, this is what my father would tell me. You try and win every battle. If you don't, you got to, you know what, 40 seconds later, you got to line up and do it again. So thinking about it isn't going to do you any good. You got to try and win the next battle. And your point about Anthony Munoz, I, I couldn't beat him, but I lined up every play if I was going against him or a Dwight Stevenson, a Hall of Fame center, saying, okay, this play I will. You have to have that attitude, and that's their attitude. They know they've given up sacks. Uh, they know they struggle at times, but all they can do is prepare because, look at they still won. They're still in the Super Bowl. Right. But, you know, outside of Joe Burrow is the first quarterback to be sacked the most in the regular season and be a Super Bowl quarterback. So they'll go about their business and, and just try and execute. That's all you do as a player from play to play. Now, will they do it? Will they have to keep a tight end in? Is Drew Sample playing? Is, is CJ Uzama playing? Well, let's see about his MCL. Are they going to have to keep them in and chip? Is, is Mixon or, or other backs going to have to stay in and help? That way we're going to find out, you know, what happens, you know, if they get out late to routes, but you have great receivers. I think that's why they've overcome it stats is you have T Higgins and Boyd and Jamar chase. So Burrow has weapons to get rid of the ball. If he's facing pressure, which he's done great. Talk about that right guard rotation a little bit. That seems odd to me that we are rotating offensive linemen. I thought offensive line is all about continuity and working together. Is that difficult? If you've got a guy rotating in and out, Oh, I don't think they like it, you know, but, you know, it, Akeem Adeniji, he's, he's struggled against the pass, right? 
And Jackson Carmen has come in. He's a rookie and done a little better against the pass. So Dunnigy has, has been pretty good against the run. So they have different strength. And plus, as the coaches talk about, and you know they're going to spend it positively, you know, they get to spell them. So they get to rest a little bit. Usually it's the D-line that rotates. It can keep fresh legs, and it's the same five. But so now you get two guys who have struggled a bit, be able to rest a little bit and come back in a little fresh. Is it, do you want to do that? No, you absolutely don't want to do that. You want one guy playing the entire game. But when you're having issues, you got to find answers. And their answer right now is to, is to rotate that position. So if you, you obviously have the experience of a defensive lineman, what can Cincinnati do then to slow you down as a pass rusher? Well, I mean, you, you know, you know what it is, it's draws, it's screens. A lot of times the edge rushers will get fast up the field. So if you run a draw or even the quarterback stepping up and the, the toughest thing for a D line is when that, that end gets high up the field. And unless you're getting a push in the middle, there's that natural space that gets created when the end goes up the field, it gives the draw and out, or it gives the quarterback an up and out to get out of the pocket. So, you know, do that, make yourself a threat early there screens. Now, I mean, Leonard Floyd, even Aaron Donald, Von Miller, they can run down screens. I mean, they're pretty impressive at that. Um, and they have a really good interior guy in Greg Gaines, who's kind of getting more notoriety, but he's kind of that, that plug in there while the other guys get the, the, the notoriety. He's just making plays in the middle. But that's a way to do it uh, if your running game can work. Man, if they can get that running game going, and neither team ranks really high in their running game. It's not like they have great running games. But if you can have an effect with your running game, and then your play action is going to work great. Now you're freezing that D-line just for a second uh, because they have to concern themselves on the run. So obviously the best thing is your whole game plan works. Throw outside, throw inside, run inside, run outside. Trying. It's, it's a game of who can dictate to who. Is the offense dictating to the defense or is the defense dictating to the offense? You can't tell on the first series for either team. Those are scripted plays. A lot of times you see success out of the offense and then adjustments are made and the game kind of settles in. I think Cincinnati's in an interesting spot because I think they're going to go up-tempo a little bit in an attempt to try and tire out that Rams D-line. But, you know, most of the time with the Rams, it's like Jalen Ramsey is going to lock down right. your number one receiver. Well, Cincinnati's like, that's great. We have three guys that we feel comfortable throwing to. So I know that the, the D-line is scary, but I actually think Cincinnati can have some success moving the ball if Burrow gets any time just because I don't know how the Rams are going to cover all those guys. Well, I mean, that that's why they're in the Super Bowl is because, as I said earlier, they have different weapons. So even if the pocket breaks down, Quickly, you know, you got Jamar. Jamar does great on slants and yards after the catch. So Higgins, great hands. He was, you know, he was the guy in the championship game. You know, that's right. who they had to go to because Jamar, they're double covering him, you know, outside with a corner and deep with a safety. And, you you know, we'll see how that goes unless Jalen just locks on him. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch all day. But you're right. And then if they can get a tight end involved that Juzama can play, I think he's been so underrated, just like Tyler Higby for the Rams, yeah. who hurt his knee in the championship game uh, as well. Those guys are great. I, I don't even call them safety valves. They do a nice job. They do that. If it's third and four, they get you four and a half, which just aggravates the hell out of the defense. It's like we could have been off the field. They made it by a half yard, you know, and now we're staying on the field. So I think that is one, one of the big keys is there in the Super Bowl is is Joe has a lot of weapons to go to to dump the ball off if he gets pressure. 
I want to get to the Ram side of it as well, but I know you're here with One Touch Solutions and the Talking Type U campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I was I was uh, diagnosed with diabetes, you know, in my early 40s when, when we were together at ESPN. And, and I had to kind of learn a new way to kind of live my life, you know, but I do everything kind of football-wise. So it's like I, I had to find a playbook now for this, like my doctors, my coach, my wife and kids are my teammates. And so that's how I went about it. One thing I learned of the 34 million people dealing with type 2 diabetes is everybody has to deal with it differently, different plan from meal plan to workout plan. And while it's a big group, it's really individual how you deal. So I, you'd be proud of me, Stats. I got into the, the now generation, the technology generation of <laughs> one-touch solutions. It's kind of a digital one-stop shop where I can get uh, my programs customized to me, whether it's Noom, Fitbit, Cecilia Health, WellDoc, they all get my information and I get great, you know, uh, uh, food and, and, and health and wellness, you know, like foods to eat, my fitness, am I working out enough? Am I drinking enough? I can chat with a live diabetes expert about questions that I have. So I'm, I'm in the modern technology with One Touch Solutions. I talked to a couple of former players, Kyle Love from the NFL, John Kruk from, uh, from Major League Baseball, who both dealt with this. To just show everybody, everybody's on a different path. So I would encourage everybody to go to TalkingTypeU.com. You can hear those interviews, get a lot of other great information out there, and enter a sweepstakes to win some health-related prizes like home gym equipment. So a lot of good info, and it's a win-win. You can win. Welcome to 2022. Yes. It's about time. You were Zooming now, so I am very proud of you. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in with both feet, Stats. Uh, from the Ram side of things, you know, the talk about Matthew Stafford, some people thought, well, if he could just get out of Detroit, he'd be fine. And other people say that he was part of the problem there. Does he have to win this game to change that narrative about him? Or do you think he's already done it? Well, I, I think he, he has to win and the Rams have to win, right? I mean, because the Rams, I, this team, we've seen it before occasionally, um, a team pushing all their chips to the middle, yeah. right? Starting from a couple of years ago, acquiring Ramsey you know, from Jacksonville. And then obviously, you know, Stafford and Von Miller and OBJ, you know, they're basically saying, okay, we don't have a first round pick until 2070. Okay. <laughs> so what, you know, and so if you win the Super Bowl, then it paid off, right. Then everything you did paid off. And then you have to manage next year and next year where Cincinnati has kind of done it the tried and true way of obviously getting some free agents, but look at the draft, you know, the youngest, foursome of under 26 years old quarterback 4,000 running back 1,000 two receivers 1,000 all under 26 you know wow. all through the draft so you know they're do, they're building that way where they're going to continue to rise Rams have to kind of readjust each year so and this was a Stafford year of saying okay I can lead a team to the Super Bowl 41 touchdowns 17 interceptions regular season but you weren't sure which Stafford you were going to get was it going to be the 41 touchdown or was it going to throw a pick six or right. overthrow? We saw Tart, you know, from the 49ers drop that interception. I mean, which may have not have been the game, but it certainly could have been a small nail in the coffin. Possibly it's unfortunately something he'll never forget. So that that's the question again, going into this game is, is which staff are you getting? I was at the, the, the Bucks game. He played great in that game. So yeah, this, this is a statement for him and the Rams. Last question for me. What's your prediction for the game? Well, see, here's the thing, Stats. I went for 23 years with ESPN, not working the Super Bowl, and I could make a prediction. Now I'm working it. So I can't make an actual prediction. I can't pick one team and then be on the sidelines of the other team 
and you know be professional about that. So um, what I'm doing is I'm picking the coin toss because you can bet on everything. So <laughs> I say bet tails. Uh, and there then let's, let's hope for a good game. What I'll say, though, the biggest mismatch on the field on paper is going to be that D line of the Rams and the offensive line of Cincinnati. So that to me, I want to see how how they get through that. Well, Mike, we thank you very much for the time. Again, you can go to TalkingTypeU.com for more information there. Enjoy the game. I'm glad you're finally going to go to a Super Bowl, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Sounds good, Stats. You're going to see me on air somewhere. I'm going to get in the camera frame. Thanks, Mike. See ya. Our thanks to Austin Eckler and Mike Golick for their time. All right, RJ, the time, speaking of, has come. We've got some predictions to make. we got to predict the game, and we've got to predict some of the things that are happening. We've got the NFL Awards tonight. The Hall of Fame class is going to be voted on over the weekend. Where do you want to begin? Well, we have to save the game pick for last because we've been building for this you know, right. for months now. So we each get two predictions. I changed the rules like you, you know, that you started at the beginning of the show. We each get two predictions relative to NFL honors. So by the time NFL honors is over, these things will have happened. I will go first. DeMarcus Ware will be a first ballot. Pro Football Hall of Famer. Boom. Mm. The Hall of Fame voting is it's a it's a land it's a minefield really. There's you can't just go by who's the greatest players. There's this political who's been waiting. How many numbers of each position are in the class? Like there's a lot of other stuff that yeah. goes along it's with narrative it. driven. It and, and that's part of it too. People like Demarcus Ware. He's a good guy. Zach Thomas is also up there, and I. I don't think they'd put Zach Thomas in before DeMarcus Ware. I don't even know if Zach Thomas is a Hall of Famer. I'm they were sure teammates in Dallas. True. Oh, man. Rondé Barber, I think, is going to get in because I think that he's been waiting. Tony Baselli, I think, is going to get in. Finally? You think so? I think so. Devin Hester is a really interesting one because he's only in for one thing, but he was the greatest returner of all time. And if you were the greatest of all time at what you do, I think you got to be in, whether you're a kicker, whether you're a punter, whatever you are. Well, that goes back to the, can you tell the story of the NFL without them theme? But, mm -hmm. I, but I agree with you to be clear, like put Devin Hester in the hall of fame, like a hundred percent, please. But I like, generally speaking, all these things, like every year we're like, they have to do it. Like they're, they're like, no, we don't believe in you. right. your cool things. This is stupid. You know, like they're so like crotchety about it. DeMarcus Ware all-time sack leader in Dallas Cowboys history, won a Super Bowl, notably was kind of the the Batman to the ascending Von Miller's Robin. Like at the time, Robin or Von Miller kind of became Batman, but DeMarcus was, you know, pivotal in that, played for the Cowboys, had a lot of success for the Cowboys, still very young. You know, I mean, I, I think it's, I think he's a lock personally. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for that, obviously. It would be the second year in a row that a former Dallas Cowboy was selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame that was not in the team's ring of honor, Jimmy Johnson, of course, last year. <laughs> but don't worry, Jerry Jones says it's going to happen. Right, despite he's the working fact on it. That, yeah, despite <laughs> the fact that he has full autonomy over what happens <laughs> with the ring of honor. Don't worry, like, that is, ugh, man, I hate that. Like, so many Cowboys fans on YouTube are there like, oh, no, Jerry said he's going to put him in, then do it. Like, if, if he said he's going to do it, then do it. What's he waiting for? But it's, Whole different discussion. Um, DeMarcus Ware's going in. I do believe that. All right. My prediction, and this is super easy, and I'm going to make it and get away with it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP. <sighs> Book it now. It's happening. Done and done. Yeah. Chalk. Lame. I want to predict coach of the year. I do think that's a little bit tougher. That's up in the air. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Matt LaFleur. I, I think that that just makes the most sense. I don't think there's a more logical choice than him. I know you can make arguments for Mike Vrabel. Uh, how about the guy in the Super Bowl right now? 
Well, I mean, these things are, you know, as well as I do, they're voted on at the end of the regular season. Was anybody this high on the Bengals at the end of the regular season, despite BLG when he lies about it? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, so you know the formula to win coach of the year. Whoever outperforms expectations the most generally wins coach of the year. It's the reason why Bill Belichick doesn't have 15 coaches of the year award, because that's just not how it works. Who outperformed expectations more than Zach Taylor? People thought he was going to be the first coach fired, and then they made the playoffs? I still don't think that was I, – I, I'm telling you, I, I really – I'll say it's Matt LaFleur. Do you think Zach Taylor's won it? I, I think if they voted today, I think Zach Taylor wins it. But I think right. at the end of the regular season, I, I do think that what Matt LaFleur did is worthy of it. I mean, dude, the guy navigated the most like toxic season of all time in Green Bay Packers history and, and did it, you know, in – really impressive fashion it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers carrying them the way it was last year it was total sound overall team football except for you know special teams but you know yeah, except we, for that except we, for a we, third of the game right we can conveniently overlook that so um I think it's Matt LaFleur if it's not Matt LaFleur I think that maybe because the hype was high around the Titans like if, if we're rewinding the clock I could see Mike Vrabel like riding the wave at the moment which would look silly given that he would have to accept it on you know the Thursday before the team that beat him plays in the Super Bowl, but I'm going Matt LaFleur. I don't think so. We've seen this movie from Matt LaFleur before, right? 13 and three, whatever it is, like go to the NFC championship game. We, I, I don't think that again, you got to perform outperform expectations. I don't think LaFleur wins it. What's your other prediction? Those are my two DeMarcus Ware and Matt oh, I forgot about Ware. that's sorry. Goodness that's gracious. Uh, how about this comeback player of the year? If they voted on it now, obviously it's Joe Burrow. I don't know. It's it's between Burrow, Dak, and Bosa, right? Those are the three. It is. And stats. I love you, really. I do. It's Bosa's not in the running. You again. You know the the formula. You got to be a quarterback, right? Like, and Bosa's not. Like Bosa's deserving of it in in a vacuum, but he's not a quarterback, and that's that's the reality of it. I mean, and so it's in my mind down to Dak, down to Burrow. And I wrote about this. We did a video about it on the Block of the Boys YouTube channel a few weeks ago. I don't see how Dak wins it, and that's not a result. I agree. That, that's not a result of the playoff run that the Bengals have had and the Cowboys' playoff exit. The Cowboys' offense was awful over the second half of the season. Like I, I think the shine wore down well before the playoffs started, and yep. I think specifically when you rewind to when the votes are cast, which is right after the regular season in that week 16-17 stretch, that was Burrow's like what was it like thousand yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions when they, you know, won the AFC North. I think that that, I mean, the hype only built since then, but I mean, it was high on Joe Burrow. I I think he deserves it. I I don't think it's a matter of like right place, right time. I think he deserves it. He played better than Dak Prescott this year. He came back from a significant injury. You could argue Dak's from a medical perspective was a larger hurdle to overcome. I mean, they're, they're both, you know, impressive in what they accomplished, but I think Joe Burrow rightly deserves it. I think Burrow's going to win it. You're right. Quarterbacks always get favored for these awards, which is so annoying. There's 10 other positions on the field. Well, I guess not technically 10 other, 10 other players on the field. Like we can give awards to other people, uh, but I do think Burrow's going to win it, even though I think that Nick Bosa should win it because Joe Burrow's success is primarily due to his arm. Nick Bosa cannot function unless oh his knee is working properly. Anatomical and he was stats here. Okay. a monster this year he's going to be by the way you want a prediction nick bosa is going to be the first non-quarterback to make 30 million dollars a year okay um, i don't think that's bold i mean <laughs> it's never happened before in nfl history but apparently rj doesn't think it's bold okay i mean you're that's the person great. that's like 
new quarterback contract X is the highest paid player in NFL history. Like that's what you said. Like again, it's kind of he's not a quarterback. I know, but it's the norm. Like he's a pass rusher. Like he's not a punter. You know, like he's if if a pass rusher gets paid that money or if a left tackle gets paid that money, it's not really like earth shattering news to me. Never, literally never happened before in the history of the NFL. Be setting a precedent that we have never seen, but apparently that's not bold enough for RJ. I should have said that Nick Bosa was going to walk to the moon, apparently. All right. Time to get to the you Super Bowl. You should have said moonwalk to the moon. Man, that would have been sick, but you missed it. So. Can we move on, please? Yes. All right. Super it's Bowl time. 56. You want me to go first so I can't just take the opposite of whatever you pick in my desperate attempts to win this competition? No, I want to give you the opportunity. Like, you know okay. what I'm saying? I want to I want to put it. So can you tell us the line, please? Can you, you know, give, give everybody the full context of what we need, the information that we have to have? Again, yes. for, for the record, I have a one-game lead on stats. Right. If we disagree, then it's possible that we tie. If we and that's why I want to I want to go first stats because I want to leave it up to you. I want to see how ballsy you are. Are you willing to go out on a limb in the name of tying as opposed to outright losing? Okay. The spread is Rams by four. So they are favored by four points in the game, RJ. What is your prediction? So to be very clear, during the divisional round of the playoffs, I tweeted out my divisional picks. I tweeted my picks, Titans, Packers, Bucks, Bills. Wrong on all four. The very <laughs> next week, I quote tweeted it and purposefully tweeted my conference championship picks, Chiefs and 49ers. Sorry, stats. But that was purposeful because trying to do the old rope-a-dope and put the, uh, you know, the reverse jinx on the teams and get the teams I wanted in the Super Bowl. So when I tweet this out on Sunday, I will tweet that I am choosing the Rams to win the Super Bowl just because I got to ride that wave. But here on the look ahead with everything on the line, I'm taking the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals to win Super Bowl 56. Let's go. Taking Cincinnati, you are getting four points in the game. I've been saying this, like, I, this is the thing I can't get past, right? Winning the line of scrimmage is incredibly important. The Rams have seemingly such an advantage on the line of scrimmage with their defensive line and Cincinnati's offensive line. But yet, the Bengals are still here. They've had this offensive line all year. They're still in the Super Bowl. So, like, is it really that big a deal? Oh, man. I hate having to give up the four points, but I think the Rams are going to win. They have so much talent. I just think that there is so much pressure on if Joe Burrow doesn't have an A plus 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 game, Cincinnati cannot win. Matthew Stafford could win with a B minus game. That's my only justification. That's the only thing that brings me any comfort in having to pick the Rams is that unless Burrow's a superstar, they can't win the game. So two things. One, this was by design for me. I wanted you to be put in this, you know, moral dilemma of like, man, I have to choose the team that beat my team in the NFC championship game. And so tough. Um, so kudos to me for um, like kind of sawing you and uh, creating this like dilemma that you have to choose a horrible circumstance from. Second is you did something that is a pet peeve of mine. The A plus 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 plus. I hate when people do that. Like I hate when people are like, I know I'm going to give 110%. That's literally not possible. You can only give 100%. Like <laughs> I hate when people are like, oh, like let's give 200%. What does that mean? Like you, you can physically literally only give 100%. Okay. Wow. Okay, I, thought you, I really thought you were going to jump on that. <laughs> no, it's, I know you're upset that I made you choose the Rams. So, um, I mean, I'm going to be rooting. I will be wearing orange and black. Like, I'm fully on board the Cincinnati train. But I want to win this competition, RJ. I don't have you a can't ton of win. money, okay? You, you can't win. That's the thing. Like, you can only tie. No, we got to pick an over-under or something. Okay, then what's our tiebreaker if the Rams win? 
So like you have to live in in this. Um, okay, we'll we'll do this. If the Rams win, who is MVP? I'll even give you first choice it's because the Rams would have to win for you to tie. So the tiebreaker would be who is MVP. I, th- I you know what? We each I get two picks. I think that there is a legitimate possibility that like Aaron Donald or Von Miller wins the Super Bowl MVP because I could see a key strip sack, you know, sack fumble, maybe a return touchdown in the game. Aaron Donald is plus 1600 right now, according to our friends at DraftKings, to win the Super Bowl MVP. I know that the quarterbacks usually get it, but we have seen in some Super Bowls, RJ, where the defense just absolutely dominates the game. Think of Denver and Seattle. That's one of them. You can think of the Ravens in 2000 against the Giants. There have been Super Bowls that have been dominated by the defense. Obviously, Patriots, Rams. I'll go Aaron Donald. You're going. That's your. First, we're going to pick two each. So yeah. You, you're going Aaron Donald. Yep. Dumb. I mean, I I'm happy that you made that pick, and it would be awesome. But you're really you've you've done such a great job all season long stats of playing the narrative and you you messed up here it's Matthew Stafford you mentioned Denver Seattle I think back to Indianapolis Chicago speaking of Devin Hester and that kickoff return for a touchdown I still I maintain Peyton Manning should not have won that MVP that MVP should have split uh, been split between Dominique Rhodes and Joseph Adai but it was Peyton Manning finally winning the Super Bowl how could you not give it to him that's why the NFL did it if the Matthew Stafford led Los Angeles Rams win the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium after trading everything for Matthew Stafford, he could complete two passes, Jimmy Garoppolo style, and still win the MVP. Matthew Stafford is my first pick. You're not wrong about that. Like he doesn't have to have the best game to actually win the MVP award. I'm I'm counting on a suffocating defensive performance. To be fair, uh, my next pick then is Cooper Cup, just because <sighs> he's really good. And if the Rams offense rolls, he's going to be a huge part of it. He would be the eighth wide receiver to win Super Bowl MVP, as we discovered. As a fighting Texas Aggie, I would love to see Von Miller win another Super Bowl MVP. I don't know that anybody has ever won Super Bowl MVP for two different teams, actually. Mm, um, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain that nobody ever has. Oh, Tom Brady obviously has. Duh. Uh, that would be the one. But so Von could join Tom Brady in that sense. Um, interestingly enough, on the path to both of his MVPs, Von Miller would have beaten Tom Brady. They beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game in 2015, and they obviously beat the Buccaneers this year in the divisional round. So that's cool. Um, so again, whoop, love you, Von. One of the greatest memories of my life was the A&M win over Oklahoma uh, back when we were in school together. But I'm going to go Odell. I, I think Odell could have like a, a crazy like four-catch 163 yard two touchdown type of game that could be the the performance i would have loved to have taken cup i was kind of hoping you would go vaughn so i could have Stafford and cup like i did in my fantasy league that i won uh but i'll go odell and i feel pretty good about it all right so there you go those are the official predictions again everybody rate review and follow the sb nation nfl show we still have a ton of great guests coming up for you Deion Sanders, Adrian Peterson, Saquon Barkley, Robert Woods, who, of course, is on the Rams, Debo Samuel, Trey Lance, Travis Kelsey. I'm going to get to interview Russell Wilson. There is still a ton of great stuff. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow. It'll go right to your phone. You won't even have to think about it. It'll just be there waiting for you to give you that warm, cushy feeling, especially over the long, long offseason, RJ, which is just days away. Great positive note to end on, Stats. Great job there. Super pumped now to get out of here. Good job, you. You could have just been like, yeah, those are going to be some great interviews. That's really cool. You should. They are going to be great interviews. And then you felt that you needed to point out 
I cannot well, wait to hear Russell roast you when you're like, oh, I hate how good you are and how much you've beaten my team. And he's like, yeah, because your team sucks. I own them. All I'm going to say is it's only supposed to be an eight-minute interview. I'm just going to tell you right now, those are eight minutes you are not going to want to miss. That's mm. all I'm going to say. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting Russell Wilson interviews that anybody has ever heard. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.